Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, from the New King James Version, 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So let's just stop once again. One of these letters of Paul, he starts off by saying, Paul, an apostle. And so our letters typically in the Western world will end with the signature. But here you'll notice the approach of the day was to start off. I think it makes a lot of sense to find out, well, who's talking here? Because it really uh, sways how we perceive the letter. So Paul, an apostle, notice apostle means sent one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I've been sent by Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. There is a promise to any human being of eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you come into Christ Jesus, if you're born again, if you become part of the family of God, then there's a promise of eternal life for you. And so he says, this is what I'm called to do. I've been sent to bring to people the gospel of the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us in verse two, who this letter is written to, like first Timothy, to Timothy, a beloved son. Now, of course, not a biological son, but a spiritual son in the faith. So he says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Paul would typically say, grace and peace be unto you. But here he says, grace, mercy, and peace. He adds the word mercy here, grace, mercy, and peace. And as I've said before with Paul's letters, I don't believe this is merely a formality, just some words to be gracious and nice before he gets into the nitty gritty. I really believe that these apostles and leaders understood that when they would release these words and say, grace, mercy, peace be unto you, that they were releasing the grace of God, the mercy of God, the peace of God. Uh, And so, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 10 to the disciples when he sent them out, he said, if you find a house that's worthy to house you while you're ministering in town, he said, let your peace come upon it. And he said, and if you find is not worthy, then let your peace return to you. He speaks of it as something tangible. And I believe that the Bible tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Jesus would say, be healed to people and healing would come to them just from the word. Yes, he would lay hands on some, but you remember the centurion servant? He said, Lord, just speak a word. And Jesus said, as you believe, let it be done to you. And those words released healing. In fact, I think of Psalm 1720, which says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And so there's something about this that I believe the body of Christ misses. And we just see this as a mere formality, like, how you doing? Or even shalom, you know, as we hear in Israel, but as if it it's not real, as if there's not something that we from our hearts can release 
through our words of faith. I believe that Paul is releasing something, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Boy, this tells us something about the prayer life of the Apostle Paul, that it wasn't just something that he would do a a little while in the morning, but night and day. So he would regularly lift up prayers to God. I think about one of my favorite characteristics of the book of Nehemiah, that Nehemiah would be writing this encounter this history of what happened in his day. And right in the middle of it, he would say, I pray, O Lord. And he would start praying just right there in the text. He would go from narrating what happened to praying to God. And I think that that is a pattern that we should adopt in our lives. That Yes, we're in conversations. Yes, we're working and such. But when things come to mind where we need the help of the Lord, we should in a reasonable way, of course, we should be able to say, God, help me with this. Lord, and Lord, I thought about so-and-so. Lord, help them. I I speak life to them. I speak deliverance to them in Jesus' name. There's something about that type of prayer. And Paul seems to be uh, giving us this clue that this is the way he would live his life, that through the day, the day and the night, as people would come to mind, he would just release prayers to God on their behalf. May we do this. Paul said in First uh, Thessalonians, I believe, the fifth chapter, pray without ceasing. So, Lord, in fact, we stop right now and we ask you to help us to be people of prayer like this, that all throughout the day and evening, as matters come to mind, as people come to mind, which need prayer. Lord, help us to just release prayer and do what Paul did to remember people in prayer night and day. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. So notice Paul is bringing up here that Timothy is leading this church in Ephesus. Paul left him there to be the primary leader, Paul's representative there, to the church at Ephesus, which really would make up many house churches, but called collectively the church at Ephesus. And notice, Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears. In other words, I know how difficult this assignment has been. I know what challenges, what persecution you've endured. Of course, Timothy, he mentions in these letters, how Timothy is young. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example, he says. Well, Here, he's saying, I realize you're doing this assignment that I gave you, but through many tears. And he says, I'm greatly desiring to see you. I want to come be there with you. I want to come and support you. I want to come and uh, talk things over and strengthen you with words of love and encouragement and wisdom and such. He said, because I'm mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. So Paul now is saying, Timothy, not only do I have a tremendous amount of confidence in you and the faith that's in you, he said, but I have a tremendous amount of confidence in your grandmother and your mother because these were genuine women of God, full of faith, full of faithfulness and such. And so Paul says, 
I want to come and be with you because uh, I want to be filled with joy by being with you. Because when I call to remembrance you, your grandmother and your mother, he said, something in me has joy because you are genuine believers. You know, as pastors and apostles and evangelists and those that win people to the Lord and disciple people often, you know, you get concerned about people because you've seen so many people come to the Lord and then end up being tempted away and they become complacent and they don't serve the Lord with diligence and with faithfulness. And so Paul said, but you and your family, your grandmother and mother, you have served the Lord. You remember Timothy's father was Greek, and so he was not Jewish, and as far as we know, he was not necessarily even born again. We don't know that for sure, but there's no mention of him as if he was. Verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now you remember that Paul said in the first a letter to Timothy. He said, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Well, here Paul refers to that gift inside of him. And he says, I remind you to stir up the gift. Well, I told you about this in that other letter that I wrote. Don't neglect that gift. In other words, something, Timothy, was put inside of you, deposited by the Spirit of God, when the elders got around you and put their hands on you and prophesied over you as we installed you into this ministry. And when we prophesied, we spoke these words of faith, we laid our hands on you, something deposited down inside your spirit. And you should not neglect it, he said in 1 Timothy. Now he's saying, I remind you to stir that up. In other words, there is a grace, there is an ability on you for this assignment, Timothy, that was given to you by God speaking prophetically to you through the elders, by the elders laying hands on you. And Paul says, stir up the gift in this passage, stir up the gift, which was given through the laying on of my hands. Paul said, I know that when I laid hands on you, something from me, Paul, was deposited in you, something of the grace of leadership, the grace of ministry, the grace of teaching, the grace of uh, resolving conflicts, correcting, instructing, discipling, etc. Paul said, something of my leadership deposited in you when I laid my hands on you. This is like Moses laying his hands on Joshua. This is like Elijah having the mantle that was picked up by Elisha. See, there's something. In fact, he asked for a double portion, if you remember. And so Paul is saying, no, there's something. There's a gift down in you. But notice Timothy has to stir that gift up. So you can have gifts in you that people uh, have laid hands or prophesied and God deposited something in you through those activities. And if you don't stir them up, they won't do you any good. So they need to do you good. They need to help, but you need to stir them up. You need to believe that there's something that's been deposited there, and you stir that up. And so he says, I remind you to stir up the gift, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for, and here's this famous verse, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So that verse is in the context of his uh, writing to Timothy. And what he's saying is, Timothy, you've been afraid. 
you've been afraid that the people, the strong personalities, all of the conflict, the people that disagree with you, pushing back on you, etc., etc., you've been afraid that it's going to overcome you and that somehow you're going to be overtaken by this or you're not going to win. And Paul said, look, we prayed and prophesied, you have what it takes inside. You know, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So, Timothy, you have what it takes. It's inside. Stir that up. Stir that up because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So here we can see, once again, Paul's writing from prison. He said, or don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. See, a lot of people want to serve the Lord until suffering begins. And then when suffering begins, oh, you reevaluate. Wait a minute. Is this worth it? Is it worth it to do this ministry? Look what's happening to me. Look what attacks I'm getting. Look at how people, you know, in today's day and age or social media or whatever comments are being made publicly against people or against family members, the pressure that it would put on your family. Paul, of course, wasn't married and um, to our knowledge, didn't have any children and such. But we really don't know about Timothy. You know, what kind of pressure is this putting on him or if he's married, his family? And so Paul is appealing to him to say, look, share with me. This is just what it takes to do the will of God, to preach the gospel. It it requires that we endure the, the backlash that comes from either people on their own or the devil stirring people up against us. So Paul says, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Now, Paul would refer to Jesus and how Jesus suffered to get the gospel to us. He was persecuted. And Paul said he was persecuted. Now Paul says, share. Don't back down from the persecution. Stay in there and do what you're supposed to do. Say what you're supposed to say. This life is so short. Live with the eternal life in view. So he goes on to say now, verse 9, Uh, Well, let's start back in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us, God has saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Ooh, that relates back to the Ephesians 2.10 principle, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the grace that we've been given on our lives, whatever your assignment is, whatever my assignment is, was given to us in the heart of God, in the plan of God, way back from the foundation of the world. God knew we would be born. He knew we would exist. And he automatically allotted that there would be grace given to us to fulfill each our respective assignments. So this is before time began. Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light out in the open, 
to be visible, to be evident through the gospel. In other words, the gospel being preached, the word of God being preached brings life, eternal life, immortality out into the open. So he goes on to say, uh, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So that was verse 11. Notice Paul gives us his three callings. I was called to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. A preacher, I proclaim the news. An apostle, I was sent to establish ministry and raise up disciples and appoint leaders and such to raise up ministries and churches in the kingdom of God, but also a teacher. So notice both a preacher and a teacher. A preacher is primarily proclaiming. A teacher is primarily explaining. Uh, preachers, you know, hit the broad stroke of the gospel and such. Teachers hit more of the line upon line uh, details of how it all works together to bring understanding. So notice I was, Paul says, I was called to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Notice, not of just the Jews, but of the Gentiles. Verse 12, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now, notice he says, for this reason, I suffer uh, these things. For what reason? Well, that last uh, role that he mentioned, a teacher of the Gentiles. See, the fact that a Pharisee would be now a teacher of the Gentiles, well, the Jewish people, uh, especially the ones that were not born again, they largely did not believe that the Gentiles could even be saved, shouldn't even be going to the Gentiles. And so because of that, they would persecute Paul as if he's compromised. Now, he's liberal. He's going to a people that God will not help and save. And yet, through Jesus Christ, the whole world, uh, can be saved. And so Paul was doing the right thing, but he was still suffering persecution because the Jews didn't understand. Okay, verse 13. Well, let, let's go back to verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Notice capital D in the New King James. That's the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus. Verse 13, hold fast, talking to Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me. I've taught you to speak sound words, Timothy. Don't just speak out of your emotion. Emotions will speak all over the map. Speak true sound words, which you've learned from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. In faith, speak words of faith and speak words of love. Those two things will help guide your words. Verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So the Lord has committed an assignment to him. The Lord has committed a ministry to him. The Lord has committed to him to play a significant role, giving him something, a gift that's down in him. He said, this is committed to you. And he said, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Verse 15, this you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Anosiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously 
and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. Again, capital D in the New King James, the day when Jesus comes back, when rewards are given. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So here, right at the end of this chapter, you'll notice Paul is saying, hey, you know how everybody turned away. You know, it's easy when you see somebody in prison, you see somebody being persecuted, you want to back off from them and even consider, well, there must be something wrong must be something wrong with them. God is not blessing them. They don't have the same notoriety that they used to or whatever. Not realizing, no, Paul was, I mean, right in the middle of the will of God and is going to bring be brought before Caesar to preach the gospel there in Rome. And so he's right in the middle of the will of God. Just because somebody's suffering persecution, that does not mean that the blessing of God is not on them. And Paul is making that case here and saying, hey, everybody turned away, but there were some that were very helpful to me. And he's giving them commendation before Timothy. Well, all right. Thank God for God's word. And this speaks to us because every one of us are called into ministry. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be like this, to be willing to endure the persecution and the suffering to accomplish our respective ministry assignments in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.